Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I'm going to be talking about the gift of faith today. And we're on this journey to discover all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? We're on this journey to discover all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Why is it important today in this day and age to op- to be operational with the gifts of the Spirit? Yeah. What else you got? Yeah. He's... Th- it's it is the solution to everything. Have you have you met anybody this week that had any problems? Yes. Just just Phil. Okay, just checking. I didn't get out much, is what I was going to say. <laughs> I wanted to um, restate a couple of lines from Cece's word that she read to us about there's victory in the making and the souls that I'm shaping. A glory story will rise from the rubble of their lives. How many have seen a glory story arise from the rubble of your lives already? Well, listen, there's more. What I said to Alicia is true that, that one of the things that we have to press into in our lives is that there's more. There's more. You're not being sinful. You know, the religious spirit wants you to be like, oh, just be grateful with what, yeah, be grateful, but there's more. Let's do both. We, I don't know if you know this, but we can do both. We can be extremely, eternally grateful, but we can also say, but there's just got to be more. And I want to do the more. And I want to talk to you about doing the more today, okay? But she made this statement that um, I'm uprooting the pillars, or the or God did. What's his name? Papa told you. I'm uprooting. <laughs> I just want to see if I feel like I need to say that right. I'm uprooting the pillars of strongholds that have held my children captive. Yes. Now, part of this amazing invitation from Papa God to actually know Jesus is to actually be immersed into a culture of the supernatural. And see, right now, you're coming out of a worldly culture that you were immersed in. Whether you know it or not, that whatever level you were immersed, how many can testify that's true, there's a lot of mindsets to change when I'm coming into being immersed into the supernatural culture. It just thinks different, right? And that's why the Holy Spirit and Papa and Jesus spend so much time changing this right here. Not your skull, (laughs) but your brain. I like Cece. She said to me, she said, "I've, I've always been a left brain thinker. What is that? That's kind of logical. And she said, but God is moving me over into the right brain thinking. What is that? That's that place of creativity and imagination. That the same place that that when the Holy Spirit brooded, it says it brooded, it hovered, it it hovered over darkness. 
over the depths of nothingness and in the imagination of the Holy Spirit imagined you. And he said, let it be. And see, when we're placed on the circle, are you on the circle? Are you in America? (laughs) Are you in Oklahoma? Then you're strategically placed by the imagination of the Holy Spirit. Now, the enemy loves to distort that with another narrative. That's the word that's being used all over the place. It's just a different way to say something in a screwed up way that God actually has a pure form of. So God's pure form of how he made you is how he wants you to co-labor with him on earth. And so when he says, I've come to uproot the pillars of strongholds that have held you captive, what held you captive? It's different for everyone, but a lot of times it's smallness. It's distrust in God. Well, why did, why did that bad thing happen? That's my favorite question from anyone that asked me. I love it. Why did God let bad things happen? Because he didn't. God is not the author or orchestrator of bad things. He left man in charge on the planet. Okay, I know that's hard for some of y'all, but anyway, he did. And so as we come into the realization that I am in charge, I was preaching on a few weeks ago, I've been given this authority by God. Didn't I preach on that Wednesday night? Because remember the strongholds of the enemy. Those are some fun shoes. The strongholds of the enemy are under my feet. Right? It's not colossal. My imagination makes the things of the enemy either bigger than God or I make God bigger than it. The reality is, the real reality is that God's bigger than all of it. And he's just trying to teach me to come in alignment with that. Do we receive that today? So this is what she said, set your belief free. That's a good word. I think I made a slide out of it. I made you a slide, Cece. What number is it? Number five. It's a pretty slide. It looks like you, kind of. There it is. Set your belief free. Release it. Don't restrain it from having it say. Your belief will inhabit. Is that what it says? Inhabit the sound you release, and it will be the downfall of all that has come against you. Do you believe it? It looks like there's a part we play there. So I'm releasing a sound today. I'm going to talk about faith, and faith is really hard for people to understand. Because, you know, as humans, we make the easy things of God hard. Have you noticed that? When God says, don't do something, we act like we're incapable of not doing it. When he's like, no, I said the things you as humans are capable of doing. And I've said the things that you're not capable of doing. It's really clear. So when he says, don't fear, we're capable of not fearing. We're capable. We're capable. Come on, you're capable. Doesn't mean you're good at it. But you're capable. So today, I think if I was to title this besides the gift of faith, I would entitle it an opportunity to believe. Um, 
whenever you let's let's just read our kind of our foundational scripture just so we can be it's in first uh, Corinthians 12. Remember, we've been reading from verse 8 down. The Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. The other one, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. And to another, the same Spirit. What Spirit is that? It's a capital S. What Spirit is that? The Holy Spirit. He gives to us the gift of faith. Now, a good definition of that is this supernatural power is released in every believer. Okay, so that's a real big key. This supernatural faith, if you don't believe Jesus in Jesus, he's not Lord of your life, this supernatural gift is not released to you. This is the beautiful part of the kingdom, is that it has fringe benefits. These are all, The gifts of the Holy Spirit are all the fringe benefits. Now, and it says it's um, the gift of faith is supernatural power to be released to believers to do miracle works of God on the earth. So this is what it tells me, that what my faith is needed for on the earth means what doesn't exist yet. If it exists, I see it. I don't need faith for it. Right? Because faith is something that hasn't happened yet, isn't seen yet. You know, when he told me, he asked me this question, is faith a verb or a noun? Now, what's a verb? It's, a, it's an action word. And, and did you know that the same word, of course, the New Testament is written in Greek and the Old and Hebrew, but the word faith isn't even found in the Old Testament. Because I believe, this is just my belief, that they were in the action word. It's things like trust. And they were faithful. Right? They were an action word. They were, when God said to do something, some of them did it. And then God said, oh, they're so faithful. Because God knew the secret. He knew they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So when he spoke through the prophet or spoke through a judge or spoke through an authority and said, if you do this, remember he said it to Moses, if you do this, then you'll have this. That's what the Old Testament's about. If, then. Hey, did you notice that about the Old Testament? Anybody? So if you do this, then you'll have this. And he would say, oh, they are so faithful. Hey, did you know that? And he wrote a whole chapter in Hebrews about all the faithful people. But if you go back and look at their story, you're like, were they really faithful? It didn't say they were faithful 24-7. It said they did a faithful act. Now, religion grabbed that because that's what religion does. Because religion, are you, oh, you are ahead, you slow down, you can't get ahead of the story. Some people don't know what I want to say yet. So religion grabbed that and said, that's faith. But let me tell you the delineation between the Old Testament faithful verb and the New Testament faith noun. Faith is a thing. 
It's a gift. It says it right there. It's a gift. Please, let me talk over your head. It's a, it's a gift. It's a thing. And the thing can only operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. I like to look at it like an outlet, okay? So I could have a little outlet up here, just act like this is an outlet. But it is just a piece of plastic and metal unless the power source touches it. Weirdly, with electrical, I can flip two wires and it becomes a piece of plastic and metal again. Because it's wired wrong. So, what Jesus did was, when he knew he was leaving, did you know after the resurrection, I don't have time to read all this, okay? Just trust me. After the resurrection, he spent 40 days on the earth, meandering around. And he had David with him. They were hanging out. They were, he was like, look what they've done. They remodeled. That's no good. That's what they were doing. I'm sure of it. And he kept walking through walls. He kept showing up. Right? And he went to his beloved ones, minus Judas. And he walked through the wall. And he said, I need a pneuma on you. I need to breathe the breath of the Holy Spirit into you. And he said a thing. He said, go everywhere and tell them about what you've experienced. But wait. He said, go. And he said, wait. Wait where? Wait at the upper room. They didn't know if that was going to be 10 minutes or 10 years. Faith. He said go, but he said first, if your going is going to do anything, it better have power. See, you've got to learn to wait until you've got enough power to go. So he said, wait. And what happened? See, one of the proofs, it's not denominational. One of the proofs that have experienced the Holy Spirit is fire. It's not literal fire. I guess it could be. It's not normally literal fire. It's fire of passion, fire of anointing. And you know whether you've been endued with power or if it's still due. You know whether it endued you or you're just waiting on the due. Because there is a function of the Holy Spirit when His power comes upon you. And you can't do the go if you don't have this power. Otherwise, you'll just be doing a Old Testament version. And you know, the cool thing in religion, 
they'll call you faithful. You're so good at church attendance. But see, Jesus' measurement was, did you wait? Did you get endued? Or did you just have another religious experience? And see, what the world has seen is people who went and went and went and went and they did not have the fire. In this spirit, this Holy Spirit that is doing the undoing, he's the gift giver. That's why religion said it's just the holy people that can heal. Who was in that service? It's just the holy people that have the special gifts. And isn't it weird? We didn't get any of them. The religious spirit didn't give anybody any of the gifts of the spirit. You always could find someone else, right? That's why we had a Todd White and why we had a Benny Hinn and why we had, I can just go on and on in my history. But it's you. It's you. Listen, let me read it to you, shall I? I have 700 scriptures. There's 244 scriptures in the Bible about faith in the New Testament, and I read them all, and I had to pick three to tell y'all today. This is God's intention with this mighty gift of faith. You ready? 1 Corinthians 2. God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by, did I just say wisdom? Man's wisdom, like I said, wisdom. Man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. That was his intention. So when he said, wait, we were waiting on having an experience with the precious Holy Spirit of God. That not only would he give us power, but he would give us gifts. Because I can't use the gifts without the power. That's why the power came first. Listen, let's go back to our outlet analogy, right? What does an outlet afford you? Let's have a drink of our outlet. Power to do what? A ton of stuff. If we just spend all day, let's just name all. Aren't you thankful at home when you go home? How many have an outlet at home? <laughs> have you ever been camping? I hate camping. Just being honest with you. Hate, hate, hate. I need the Ritz. I don't want camping. I want room service. But that's another story. But when you're camping, unless you have a fancy camper, if you're in a tent, you, you miss this. You know, when I was a child, our electricity would go out a lot. Because, you know, it wasn't as good. The grid wasn't as good now. And I would be having this curly hair, trying to make it straight. And my mom was trying to help me make it straight because that was what we were supposed to do then. And she would give me a candle so I could blow dry my hair. 
Are you there yet? The hair dryer nor the light. But I had a candle. Somehow we didn't. We missed that moment. That's what we do with the Holy Spirit. You see, we gather. Are you with me at all? We gather things that we see we need. My mom, if she wasn't anything, she was helpful. She's gathering the things to make the thing I said was important happen. And the thing that I thought was so important wasn't so important. Clearly, now it's just curly. The things that we decide, that we put up here, and we say, this is important, this is important, this is important, is it? If the Holy Spirit's not in it, then you're just gathering a bunch of supply, supplies that don't work together. I propose that's what we've done. But this is his intention. It's not established on your logic. It, it's not going to make sense to you. Because see, this is what the gift of faith does. It says, that thing right there should be blue. That thing right there should be a car. It says about things that are not. And it tells you what it should be. And God says, do you have the strength? Do you have the ability to change that? I'm, I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, that's really our assignment. Isn't it, Pam? Can you change the obvious are you captain obvious well look at that i mean my leg hurts captain obvious but can you heal it the gift of faith is supposed to operate on something that's not the way it should be from whose perspective god's he says right here this is his intention my intention is that you don't look at that with the logic of man. How good are you at that? How good are you at that? Well, that's what he's having you practice. So when you have that thing that comes up that you don't like, that, that problem, and many have learned to love problems yet. When that problem comes up, is it an obstacle? Is it a frustration? Is it a fear? What is the thing that it's met with? Or is it met with this gift of faith? The one that he gave you free. You didn't have to work for it. It's part of the fringe benefits of knowing Jesus. It's part of the fringe benefits of being endued with power. Now I have all these amazing gifts. And trust me, the problems of today need that kind of faith. People don't even know who they are anymore. We're having to enact laws that are crazy. In your lifetime, did you think... I mean, see, I grew up playing sports. And so girls couldn't play a lot of sports when I was young. We just wanted girls to play sports. We never... In our wildest dreams, imagine there would have to be a law 
where boys couldn't play girl sports, the ones they were already playing. And it just goes on and on. Why? There weren't no mothers and fathers. My mom helped me know I was a girl. I had my hair in a bun every Sunday with my dress on. That's what my mama's girl looked like. My mom said, this is a girl. Listen, it was subtle. But it's being eroded, been being eroded for a very, very, very long time while you were alive, while you were watching, while you were on your watch, it eroded. Because our watch on the planet is to make the planet look like heaven. Do you think there's any confusion in heaven? When we don't carry this gift of faith and it's not operational, listen, it also says, let's read that too. Um, hold on, way too many scriptures, sorry. Let's go to Hebrews 11. I got a lot I want to read there, but let's look at six. Six in the Amplified says, but without faith, this is the same word, okay? This gift of faith. It's impossible to walk with God or please Him. Now, maybe you don't care about pleasing God, but let me tell you, it's my number one thing. It's my number one thing. Maybe you don't care. But when he says, I cannot please him without this faith, then that tells me faith needs to be doing something. And so when God looks over at something, he says, oh, that doesn't please me. Have you ever, have you ever liked somebody enough you wanted to please them? I don't know. Is there anybody in here that knows what I'm talking about? Oh, okay, great, super. What would you do to please them? Would you do something you didn't like? Would you eat something? Would you go eat somewhere at a restaurant? Come on. Would you eat at a restaurant you didn't like just so you could hang with your bro or chick? Would you? Well, translate that to God. When he looks at something... Like a child that's innocent, like you were once. And he says, that didn't please me. See, can you see what great lengths God went to take you out of a place that didn't understand you? And he said, that didn't please me. And so there's got to be somebody he can establish to say, oh my gosh, bro, I have the faith to see that there is gold in them now heels. You know, on our podcast Friday we recorded, I just had them both talk about 
what it felt like for someone to discover gold in them. See, that's this faith I have. It has to find a target. It has to look at Cheryl and say, what? Girl, you can do anything, but you're meant to handle large amounts of money. It's this faith that says, oh, that's not pleasing to God that she feels so small about herself. And so it has to operate. It has to begin to say, now, once that the goal begins to come up, then what happens? It gets refined. You need to be shiny gold. It's not enough. I know you're all covered up with poop and leaves and stuff, but it's not enough to be uncovered. Now you need to be refined. Job said it best, didn't he? When you've put me to the test, I will be gold. Get in line to get tested. Let me help you. Quit avoiding the test. Quit skirt, <laughs> skirting around, <laughs> trying to fake out the Holy Spirit. Get in line for the test. Because without it, Because it says this in the Passion, for we come to God in faith, knowing that He's real. See, you couldn't have even, you couldn't even be here today if you just weren't wanting to try to see if there's something else that could be going on. Is there something real? Is there something more? Is there something? I mean, I need, I need some instructions, right, Moo? Can't do life. I'd be in my own logic every day, just real fast. I'd be all sick and depressed and underneath the covers today. But I've come to know him through faith. And it says, and he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. Another reason to use the gift of faith for reward. Another reason. Listen, God's a rewarder. He is not mad. He is not some angry dude up there trying to punish you. That's a learned response to love. God is love. And when he created humanity, he said it is good. That's all you need to know about humanity. That's why... We can't, that, we're, that we're, we are not trained through criticism. If you're a parent and you're trying to criticize your kid to know better, they'll never learn that way. They'll rebel. They will hate you. But love, let me teach you what this behavior will do. Come over here and take a little movie reel of this behavior. This is where this behavior goes. That's what God's doing. He's saying, you've got to have this faith doing something all the time. It's a gift that's meant to be used, just like the electricity. We don't think a thing about it. 
That's how he wishes we thought of faith. That we didn't, we were just having to use it all the time. Don't have enough money? You need faith. You've got it. Use it. Don't know who in the world you are? Use your faith. You know, we spend all of our time on the electives. Looking for a man, looking for a woman, looking for a job, looking for the... He said, all these things will be added to you. We spend way... Come on, be honest. We spend way more time perfecting the electives of life than than perfecting the gifts of life. Just think if I spent more time perfecting the gift of faith, I would look around and I would say, that ought not to be. I don't think that pleases God. I wouldn't say, ooh, yeah, I've got to get away from them. They don't please God. They make me not even want to look at them. I want to gossip about them. Did you see them the other day? Captain Obvious rides again. I want to see things that aren't. And say, Papa, does this please you? He says, no, they're, they're living way. They're acting like an idiot. Captain Obvious doesn't need to say they're acting like an idiot. It's obvious. I need to speak to what they're not. Did you know you were a son? Did you know you're a son of the Most High? Did you know sons have privileges? Did you know healing is a neglected birthright? That means it was given to you at birth of what? Salvation. It's your birthright as a son and daughter of God that you are supposed to walk in wholeness. If it's neglected... That means we're Captain Obvious a lot more than we are faith-filled. Oh, 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 Captain Obvious is walking around. Does anyone see that I'm Captain Obvious? This is happening. Does anyone know it? Does anyone? Do we spend that much time laying on our face before the throne saying, you said by your stripes I'm healed? Listen, by the time you're 60, stuff hurts. I don't know what age. What age is it? 30? Okay. Well, this body, it says it's wasting away. But see, he also said that he gives us supernatural strength, like mounting up on wings with eagle, uh, uh, eagles with wings, or wings with eagles. <laughs> it's the same thing. That's, that's supernatural strength. If I focus, I just challenge you. I should just do this as a challenge. And whatever ails you, if you will focus on, I just look at Jesus and he's got his little thread and needle sometimes and he's just sewing something up or he's fixing something. You know, I played volleyball in the pool so hard the other day that I I got myself a blister. It was a big blister. It was about that big. And I lost all the first layer and second layer of skin. And someone said, how could you keep playing? Cause we had to win. (laughs) Focus. That's focus. Can you focus past the pain? I couldn't even walk on my toe for two days. Why? Because I was focused on the joy of beach pool volleyball. 
Are we that focused about anything of God? Or the first little, oh, that didn't work. I prayed for them. It didn't work. I prayed for them. It didn't work. No. You pray until it works. You stay until you get power. You do it until. Not till you're comfortable. Not till you think it's, it's gone the way you think. We have no endurance. See, one of the things that you know happens to you when you get filled with the Holy Spirit is you have endurance. I have endurance. I am trying to teach you endurance. It, we, this is not a microwave philosophy. This is an eternal philosophy. And things on earth need your faith, not only for them to change, but for you to get rewarded. Listen, that same chapter of Hebrews 11 says, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire things we long for. Do you long for anything? Does anyone in here long for anything, like a hamburger or what? You got something bigger than that? I long for hearts to be healed. I long for it. So I make opportunity for it. But listen, before... There was opportunity. I had to learn how to heal a heart. Okay, let me give you. So, Cece gave me this cool analogy today. So, we poured a driveway recently for our 400 cars. And they made a form out of wood in the shape, this fancy shape I wanted to do. Because, you know, if you're going to do something new, you might as well do it fancy. is the way I see it. And so, we poured it in the shape not just square, but there was no concrete. It was just a form. The concrete was needed as the foundation to drive the car on. So even though we had a form, we our faith was the cement. We could have had the forms all day long and just had dirt. Are you with me? Faith, it needs, it becomes the foundation of something else to rest on. It needs, it's a noun, it's an it. It's something that needs to happen in order for something else to happen. For your hope to be seen, it needs faith. It needs something, right? If I say I want to heal hearts, I better train up a bunch of people that can heal some hearts. I better train up some solutions to the problems of today. What is the problem of today? There are no fathers and mothers. I'm not trying to dish on anybody in here. I'm just saying spiritual fathers and mothers who will go the distance and endure and be with you through hardship, be with you and train you and not give up on you and love you. That's needed. Can we just admit that's needed? And so if you are going to be that, you're going to have to have this faith because you're going to look at somebody and you're going to be like, what have you been doing with your life? Have you enjoyed those Starbucks for the last 12 years? Because that was $40,000. You could have had a house. You're going to need a few conversations like that. 
You drank your house away. You're going to need some conversations of maturity. Because remember back where it talks about the gifts, it says, let's go read it. I wasn't going to, but it's just so good, isn't it? First Corinthians 12. It says, remember verse 11, remember it's the same Holy Spirit who distributes and activates and operates these different gifts as he chooses. Now listen, he chose you, right? You're a chosen, I'm a chosen, say I'm a chosen. They made a movie about it, a show about it, the chosen, that's you. Say, that's me. that's me. It says that, I like it, it says, God carefully designed each member and placed it in the body. What's the body? The ecclesia. What's the ecclesia? The church. That's why the enemy doesn't want people to attend church. They don't want you to find a body, but your gift only operates within the body. That'd be kind of like saying, I'm going to cut my toe off and I'm going to throw it down there at 7-Eleven and I'm going to let it walk around. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work separated from the body. Are you with me? Your gifts, that's why your gift of faith probably hasn't worked. Because you've never been underneath. You've never been accountable. You've never been in a body full in. You just sit on the sidelines occasionally and watch it from a distance. But see, this generation needs this gift of faith. You're going to need it for the problem, for the God-sized problems that you're going to run into. Why are the problems just getting weirder? Really, are they not getting so freaking weird? Aren't they? I mean, I could go on and on. Surely you know what I'm talking about. It's, uh, it's Captain Obvious, isn't it? Yes. I should name it Captain Obvious. It says, diversity is required. You know, that's the, number, that's the enemy's number one thing, is that you were born the wrong color, wrong size, wrong height, wrong gender, wrong, 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 wrong. No, God pre-designed you. You are not a mistake. You can't even change it. That should be a clue. If this is something I can't actually change, then this is probably something that was designed on purpose. Another thing that I didn't know we were going to need a law for. Diversity is required. That's why you have to come into the body being weird. Your weirdness is needed. It's diversity. The only thing that makes you weird is you're just different from somebody else who thought they knew the standard. But no, God made all the shapes, all the colors, all the genders. He did all that. Both genders. He did it. Right? He didn't need no more. He had a purpose for the things he made. Why did he need to create new things? He doesn't. We don't get to just go outside those lines and say, well, I'll just make up something new. But not in God's plan, you won't. 
Diversity is required. If the body consisted of one single part, there, it wouldn't be called a body. Right? right? right. And it says in, in Ephesians, this will go on until the saints are mature. So that tells me that these gifts operated through the functions of the government of God. What's the government of God? The apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, right? Those are the government operators of the gifts of the Spirit, right? And it says, for what? The saints to do the works. Are you a saint? Do you know it? Do you know there's, do you know? Yes. That's just weak. Do y'all know you're a saint? Yeah. Then there's work for you to do. Yeah. Right? right? And if there's work for you to do, this is what I read at the beginning, what Cece said, then those strongholds of past narratives have to be uprooted. And as he's processing you through all this amazing inner healing and he's doing all this restructuring what is birthed out of that is this pure gold substance that can operate in these gifts, be endued with power and fire and passion, and it can transform the world. Come on, Mendel. I wasn't sure if you needed that or not. So good, right? Awesome. Well, I have an opportunity for us to practice, to apply this teaching. I remember when uh, Tisa was using my laptop and didn't know how to make it work. I'm having that experience. Okay, there, I got it. Got it. Everything's just different, right? I mean, <laughs> it's so funny how many things can be different from one personality to another. I mean, just the way you operate your computer ends up being different. It's just funny. Anyways. Oh, right. Tisa's is right, though. Mine's the weird one. The weird one. I just brought my weirdness, and she just told us it was valuable. So, oh, this is the wrong word. <laughs> oh, I see it. I got it. Okay. Anyways, opportunity to practice our faith. There is a theme that the Holy Spirit's been on today. I'm sure if you if you don't catch it, if you haven't caught it during the service, when you go back and listen, you will catch it. But even at the very beginning, um, when Shudi in worship shared this this invitation to come, that she was hearing Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Papa say, "Come, come, come." There is that's I heard something very similar just yesterday, that um, I want to share with you. And I tried to write out the image that the Holy Spirit had given me. He gave me a dream that was very, very intense a couple of nights ago, and I'd really been pondering on it. And my um, conclusion after pondering on it and just the way he's been speaking to me for the past couple of days is that he is really eager to do a deep inner healing in us. He is poised and ready to do a deep inner healing. And, you know, that's the glorious and wonderful thing about this journey with Papa and the Holy Spirit and Jesus is because as he advances us, we step into new territory that still has some old rubble in it, you know, has some stuff from the old, another time in life. And so it's his mercy and tenderness to meet us in that place and heal us of what is going to be an obstacle and that next phase of our journey. 
into the promised land. And so it, go, it makes perfect sense that he works this way and that he would be inviting us to come. And what I, what I discovered in my processing of with him the past couple days is that he was reminding me again of places that I personally have just avoided going in my soul, in my heart with him, that it's been, it was just, you know, something I shoved into the past a long time ago and tried to just strong arm it and make it stay in the corner instead of actually getting healing on it. And, you know, I've, I can kind of tend to think, oh, I've been, I'm good. You know, I'm good. I don't have to deal with that thing. Or maybe it's another layer of something that you've dealt with before and you still feel it or, you know, it still pops up every now and then. And he's like, yeah, I'd really love for us to go there if you would go there with me. And I, he was telling me again how and reminding me of how I can tend to avoid doing that because my survival method from my life before I knew about him was to just wall things off, you know, just I just will pretend that pain wasn't there and that kind of thing. And so with this gift of faith, we have to operate in faith for our own healing too and for our own wholeness. I was seeing this image earlier of, you know, when we don't do the heart work for, on ourselves and our soul led by the Holy Spirit, we are like, um, I pictured it as a daycare. Have you ever walked, entered a daycare when they're trying to feed all the kids at the same time and they're all melting down at the same time? That is a chaotic scene. I, every one of those children is letting their needs be known, right? And how whatever way they need to. They're screaming, they're crying, they're throwing stuff. Our soul can be like that. If you're trying to do this journey with him and walk through life in power and operate with faith for the things that he draws our attention to, to, to exercise our faith with power in, if you've got that daycare scene going on inside of you, you're going to be lucky if you can take two steps in front of you. You know, that is chaos. And we walk around sometimes just trying to focus on what God's saying, despite all the chaos around us in our own minds and in our own soul. And we don't have to do that. You know, that's what this dream was showing me is that Jesus paid a price for our healing. And that includes emotional healing, it includes in our mental processes. It includes all of that. We don't have to live like broken down people who are barely struggling just to get by. And so I, I wrote this out and trying to show, describe what he was showing me, and I will expound on it just a little bit more. But I want you to hear it as an invitation um, for you personally to um, address these types of things um, with him yourself. And so I said, Papa, I want to make my heart tender before you. I long for you to have full access to the all of me, even to those places that I'd walled off because of pain, to those places that I've barricaded away with hopes that them being out of sight will make them also out of mind. I admit to having done this. I admit to having restricted access to parts of my heart, to having abandoned parts of myself for fear of them overwhelming and consuming me. For a time, I experienced this life without the intimate knowledge of you and your tender affection, without knowing that your mere presence would heal me and make me whole. So I did all I knew to survive, and I tried to make mind over matter my saving grace. I tried to shove it all aside, to throw it all away. I didn't realize that I was throwing away 
parts of your own heart when I threw away my grief. Let me insert here that this was something the Holy Spirit brought back to my my memory recently. Many, many years ago, he showed me this whole picture that I wrote a story about that we were created from a part of his heart. Like when up in heaven, his heart is enormous, right? And he took a piece of his own heart out and made you. And so you are that unique piece of his heart. And so if we will think about ourselves that way, we have it changes the value of what we do with that one piece of heart because that part of his heart is only on this earth and only in all of the course of history in you. And so uh, this that's what I'm, I'm referring to here is that I didn't realize I was throwing away parts of God's own heart when I threw tried to throw away parts of myself. I didn't realize the value of what I had, so I thought calling it all trash was the simplest way to survive the pain. Please forgive me for these choices I made out of brokenness. Please forgive me for shutting you out, for refusing to walk with you to those places. Please forgive me for resisting your healing embrace, for saying I'd meet you elsewhere in some other place instead. Forgive me for trying to control the conversation when all you had was love in mind. I wrote that I feel your longing to take me there. I sense your heart's desire to cry with me in that place, to feel your own, I feel your own sense of loss, your own grief over what has been cast away. I know you're asking me if I can trust you today. You're asking if I could trust you enough to let you lead the way. You're asking if today's the day I won't pull away to run to a happier place. You've shown me the heart of my Savior. Papa began to talk to me and show me this image of Jesus. You've shown me the heart of my Savior, my faithfully devoted Redeemer, the bridegroom desiring to be my husband. You've shown me his dream and his willingness to complete his assignment over me. His price on the cross that day, his resurrection from that grave, empowers him to take my place in suffering. His work was finished, but it will only be complete when I fully receive it. I hear him beckoning me, calling me to go with him there, to take him to the deep places where pain and fear and loss and all the assaults on my heart still live and breathe. When I expose them, instead of shield myself from them, he takes my place. When I unveil them and allow him to see their true nature and their paralyzing effect on me, He takes my place. Immediately, he sees the spirit behind the seed of suffering imposed on me. He is not disillusioned or confused by their delivery against me. He doesn't question whether or not I'm supposed to receive their assault in the misused name of love or some other story told to me. He sees them purely with 100% clarity. And when he does, he steps in front of me, interrupting their barrage against me. 
He takes my place and receives my suffering as his own. All at once, he and I are transported through time, and that pain-filled moment of my life becomes forever knitted to his on the cross. I hear him. He calls my innocence priceless and worthy of the cost. So he takes my place and endures my suffering so I can be free and fully redeemed. Over and over, he takes my place, reclaiming my right to the heart that you gave. He takes that heart territory back from the enemy and restores it to our garden of intimacy. My beautiful bridegroom, so faithful and true, considers my heart his to forever have and hold. Now, I hope this just paints the picture for you, maybe in a new way of how eager Jesus is to be that husband to you, to be that protector, to bring you that healing. And it's an imagery, you know, we can, in our human logical minds, we can compartmentalize things in such a weird way and think that I, even like the pain, what he went through on the cross was for some suffering that I don't, I don't ever have to experience. And that's true in some nature, and and to some extent that is true. But he also took my place, took our place in the suffering we have endured. That's that's sickness, that's disease in our, sickness in our soul, like Tisa talked about earlier. That's, you know, wrong thinking, pain in our soul, pain that's been from the assaults of life. Life is not easy. Jesus didn't say that we would go through this world with no trouble. He said, you will encounter trouble. You will encounter trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So where do we meet up with him there? And he was showing me this imagery that he is willing to pay the price. He's willing to take our suffering on as his own. That includes the things that we are dealing with, the the pain and the injuries that we've endured ourselves in this life. And so everything that we have that comes up that is like that unhealed place, we have an opportunity if we will be honest with him, if we'll be vulnerable and transparent with him, he will go and do that. He will step right in front of us and intervene in that place of pain. And he will take that to the cross and it will be taken and removed from you. That's how we can have this room is full of people who will say, yeah, I remember that happening to me, or I remember that thing I did. I remember that horrible, horrible injury, but I don't feel a sting of it anymore. I feel nothing from it anymore. We are actually able to feel completely whole. We are, in other words, we are actually able to live as if we'd never experienced that thing. And that's what I feel like he's inviting us into if we will be willing to go there with him, to take his hand and say, go ahead and feel that because it won't take you out. Feel that pain, feel that grief, feel that assault that you experienced and don't try to hide it because I'm here with you now and I will take your place because he wants to restore not just our innocence in the terms of guilt, but our purity of of our wholeness that we could be like a little child who never never got beat up in that way, who never got assaulted by those things of life. And that's what he is inviting us into. And I, that part about his, his, he's not disillusioned or confused by our pain and suffering is because you know what happens when the enemy causes harm in this way. He also sends a message that tries to convince us to be okay with it. 
and things are told to us. You know, we're like, well, this is just what love is. This is what love looks like. I know you're feel hurt, but this is what love looks like. So you should be glad for it. And it plays with our mind, right? It plays with our, our, our mind. And so there are things like that that we won't even take to him because we have already labeled it as something that we were either deserving or that was quote unquote good. And so this, the reason why we follow the Holy Spirit's leading is because he will make that thing rise up when it's something that needs to be dealt with. This isn't that go searching in your belly button to find something to, to, to make this happen. But when he brings something up and you're like, oh, that kind of hurts. Oh, that kind of stings. Oh, that doesn't feel quite right to me. Don't just label it as something that you've been told in the past, but take it to the Holy Spirit and ask him, is this something you're a place you're wanting to go with me? Is this a place you're inviting me into to let my real emotions about this come up? Because he wants to heal that because your purity, your wholeness, your innocence, and the restoration of that is that important to him. He paid the price. It, his work was finished, but it's not complete until we receive it. So if this um, word resonates with you in any way and you, in, or you have this coming up in the coming days, remember that there's, we have our, our uh, counseling through One Life that is available for you. There's a ton of people that would love to pray with you, to walk you through any type of thing like this, that where you may need to have a friend in the natural, in, in addition to the supernatural and the spiritual, walk you through some of those things. And so please, please, we are invited we're invited to go there with him because he's ready to heal it. And so as we always say, it's a Kairos moment. This is a, a now word to accompany us as we walk out in faith. Faith for our own healing transfers us into faith for other people's healing too. So Papa, we just say thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you that you still today are calling us worthy worthy of going to the cross. You still look at each one of us today and say, you are worthy. You are worthy. That innocence that was stolen from you, that purity that was tarnished, that place that has inflicted poison into your soul is worthy of being restored. And so I will remember the price I paid on the cross. I will remember it over your life. I will remember it and bring that healing and wholeness that I paid the price for. So I thank you, Jesus, and I thank you, Papa God, that time does not work like we think it does. Time in, is not linear. It's not something that's past and therefore, and we missed it. But it's there. It's living. It's alive in that moment. The price you paid on the cross, Jesus, and the victory that you won over death, hell, and the grave when you went to went and stole back the keys and were resurrected, that is a now event. That is a present day event that we can actually take our lives and be knitted to yours in that moment and receive the full power of healing, wholeness, and resurrection in that place. So I thank you, Papa, for this invitation. I thank you for illustrating it the way that you have. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make this message today and this, this invitation through this word and personal for each person hearing it. It's your heart cry to meet each of us, not just in theory, not just through a theology, not just through a good message, but you, your desire is that it's translated into our personal lives. 
one life at a time, one soul at a time. So we just partner with you, our faith in this room, we partner it with you today that say this healing and wholeness can be done for each person hearing this message, for each person in this room, this healing can occur, this wholeness can occur. So we thank you, Papa. We love you, Papa. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. And we say, Jehovah reigns. Jehovah reigns in me. He reigns in me and everything that concerns me. Jehovah reigns. And Jehovah reigns over all that I see and encounter and that is going on around me. So we praise your name today, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.